Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. All right, so can you please share with everyone your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Sure. I'm Amy Streckus, and I live in Brooklyn, New York. And the name of my private practice is Speech Language Learning. Fantastic. Well, Amy, I'm so happy to have you on the interview tonight. And before we get started, can you tell our listeners, how did you start your journey to private practice? Sure. Um, I think I've always wanted a private practice, um, even as I was applying to grad school. I think that was a thought in the back of my head um, that I wanted. If it didn't work out, I wanted to be able to have uh, other choices, a plan B. And after grad school, I did a lot of different things. I uh, worked in clinics. I worked in private schools. I worked in public schools. I even worked at a stuttering clinic specifically. And I had a really great job in a public school with a pension and, (laughs) you know, out by 3 p.m., summer's off, all these great things. But I had a child. And once my son was two years old, I said, I just can't do this anymore. I want the flexibility of being able to work when I want to work and not work when I want to work and have control over what I do. So he gave me the bravery to be able to just jump and do it. That's fantastic. So you had, you had a child, you knew that you needed to make a change in terms of your schedule. It sounds like that was the primary reason why you pursued private practice. Did you um, like leap into private practice, quit your job and jump right in? Did you start on the side? What did those first couple of months look like for you? I sort of did both. So I had always done stuff on the side Mm -hmm. Um, since I was 16, really. I've 
tutored people. So when I was in school, I always had a little side gig. When I was working in the schools, I always had a couple clients here and there. Mm -hmm. um, so that also gave me a lot of confidence in what I was doing because I had years and years of experience you know, collecting payment, scheduling, negotiating, setting a price, uh, all of hustling, finding clients. So I had a lot of experience doing that. Um, I also, the beauty of schools is you can get paid through the summer mm -hmm. um, while not working in the summer. So I kind of used that two months after I quit while I was still getting a paycheck mm -hmm. to get everything set up. That's fantastic. And so where, where did you see your first clients? So my private practice is unique in that I see people in their homes and in their schools. So that also gave me a lot of confidence in jumping ship because I didn't need to spend money yeah. on overhead or sign a lease or um, any of that. And, well, and you're in Brooklyn, right? So the, the prices of having an office, I would think, are pretty astronomical in that, in that pretty area. Pretty astronomical. Um, but I live in deep Brooklyn, so I have a car and I have a garage mm -hmm. um, with a parking spot. So I'm able to zip around client to client, um, but yeah, not pay for that high rent. So you, that's kind of how I started my private practice. Yep. That's fantastic. So you're seeing people in their homes, also seeing people in the schools. How did you start relationships with schools to start being able to treat some clients in the schools? And then along those lines, are you seeing private pay? The, the students in the school, are they private pay or is the school pay? Yes. All the clients are private pay. And I was so lucky in that while I was networking to try to figure out. So I, first I was seeing clients through early intervention. Mm -hmm. that I had some income and then I was networking, trying to figure out my next step. So Amy, how did you start to develop relationships with the schools that you ended up seeing these students at? So all of my referrals are coming in through people who had private practices and they had more uh, clients than they could take on. And so their business model became about giving out referrals. Interesting. Cut for that, but it's worth it to me because I never had to do any marketing, figure out that whole thing. I just was able to get referrals from these referral sources. Now, are these other SLPs or other types of providers? Um. I started out with four, but then I've only been working with two more recently. One is a speech therapist mm -hmm. and the other is actually a psychologist. Fantastic. Is this a one-time, like a finder's fee that they end up giving you or do they take a cut the whole time? It's a percentage the whole time. Oh, interesting. That's an interesting model. Okay. It is interesting. Yeah. So, but it's interesting too for you that you said that you there, then don't really pay for marketing, right? So it's kind of a trade-off. Either you could be spending your money in marketing or you could be spending money with these people and the referral fee. Huh. The other thing is I don't spend a lot of time taking phone calls of people that are inquiring. Yeah. 
my first phone calls are people that are pretty much interested. And also, um, I've been match made, if that's a verb. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they picked me because I have a specific expertise or personality or maybe just scheduling wise that already pretty much fits with that family. Mm -hmm. So it's highly likely that, you know, once we have an initial session or an initial phone call that they're more than likely going to sign on. That's fantastic. I think that's really cool. I've, I've only heard of one other person doing that, but it sounds like the relationship is working for both parties. So why not? Yeah. And I'm kind of at the point right now where I'm like, Oh, maybe I should go out on my own and find my own clients and not have to pay that fee. And then I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. Cause that's taking on a whole other yeah. ball of wax. So, well, you absolutely can go out and find sure. your own clients. Right. But right now, it's sort I of comfortable. To. Also, that's yeah. Do you do you want to? And and that would also be taking away maybe time to spend with your family and that kind of right. stuff. So yeah, all of these the things to do with private practices. It's all a balance, right? And a lot of us seek this out because we want more balance in our life. And right. then we have to remind ourselves when private practice stuff gets too busy or overwhelming that we wanted to avoid that. So we got to kind of keep in check with ourselves and make sure that things are still going the way that we want them to go. Right. I mean, I think that's the exciting, both the exciting and scary part about private practice and the way I've set up my private practice. I could do anything I want, Yeah. which is great and exciting. And then sometimes it's like, okay, so focus and pick, <laughs> decide what you want and do it. Totally. So what um, are the main, say, diagnoses of the clients that you treat right now? Um, so I have some clients who are kind of those early, late talkers, language delays, toddler preschoolers. That's a big chunk of what I do. Um, I have a couple of clients on the spectrum. And then the reason I uh, call my practice speech language learning is because I also do tutoring. So these are predominantly kids with language-based learning disabilities, dyslexia, mm -hmm. auditory processing. So that's more of a tutoring, educational therapy type thing. Um, and then I also treat stuttering. Fantastic. And so what is the upper limit age-wise that you tend to see? I would say 16 or 17. Okay. I had one case of a clutterer who was mm -hmm. 17, 18. Got it. But once they start maybe heading toward off to college, we're done with that age group. Got it. You know, for stuttering, I will see adults, um, but I don't have any on my caseload right now. Okay, great. So we've talked about the kinds of clients you see, where you see them, where your referral sources are coming from. Um, what else can you tell us? Like, what is a typical schedule like for you? What days or times or what does your pra private practice look like in terms of your schedule? Sure. Um, well, I wake up and I drive my son to daycare. <laughs> and most of my clients want to be seen first thing in the morning mm -hmm. or after school. So um, I'll see people in their homes first thing in the morning or then after school. 
um, which kind of leaves a chunk in the middle of my day mm -hmm. um, that I cherish because I can go to the gym yeah. or take a yoga class or do laundry. Yeah. And then also some of the clients I see in school, I can fill in during that time as well. That sounds pretty ideal. I love it. And it, it's funny when I first started, I said, okay, I'm not going to get an office because I'm worried about the overhead, but one day I'll definitely get an office. Yeah. And now that I'm in it, I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like, you know, getting a pedicure in between two clients because I have an hour to kill or running an errand. I have a kid's birthday party this weekend. I need to run out and get something. Um, it's nice to be able to, to run those errands and get stuff done during the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole thing is that it has to work for you and for your schedule and you have a child in preschool, right? So like you, you know, right. he's already kind of occupied for a period of the day right. and so you found a way to, you know, occupy yourself through seeing clients and then sure, getting the occasional pedicure going for, for some errands um, but you also have, you know, these private pay clients, you've got fantastic marketing referral sources. So what does the future look like for you in terms of your private practice? <laughs> Are you pretty comfortable with what you're doing now? Do you foresee changes in the future? Where are you heading? I think what I need to do is focus on finding more of a niche, mm -hmm. um, and I think I'm very interested in um, kind of my after school tutoring, learning disability um, kids, and then kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, that early language learning um, clientele. I, when I first started, I was very excited to see like, you know, auditory processing and stuttering and autism and you know it's like oh this is interesting and I'm learning and now it's just too many yeah. um disorders to treat and while I love it I find it interesting it's a lot of prep time yeah. yeah so if I can just pick two maybe three niche areas then my work is more synergistic and you might then get even more referrals, right? Because right. when people know you as, oh, you know, Amy's really good at X, then they're going to want to send you clients for specifically X versus maybe Amy's good at lots of different things. But, you know, Donna is really good at X. I'm going to send clients right. to Donna, right? So when you become like the go-to person for a certain um, disorder, diagnosis, treatment approach, or whatever in your area, then you right. tend to get more of those referrals specifically because people are looking for someone who's more of a specialist. But I think a lot of private practitioners do start off as generalists and over time start to hone their niche a little bit more. So it sounds like you're kind of heading toward that phase. Yeah, I, I like that idea of focusing, having a specialty, catering my website, my brand, that specialty, being able to charge more. I like the idea of seeing less clients, but getting paid more per client, but then, you know, being able to put more energy into that client and being able to do a better job for that higher fee. Yeah. 
Definitely. I think you could definitely do that. And especially, you know, in, in Brooklyn and, you know, in New York, there are people who are looking for, who are looking for specialists, right. And, um, can support private pay. Um, I'm certainly not everyone, but you know, there are, because there's so many people, right. There's a diversity of income. And if you can find people who can support, you know, private pay, then that is fantastic. And you should continue to ride that wave <laughs> as long as you can. <laughs> so my last question is, is there anything that we haven't touched upon yet that would be a piece of advice or a lesson learned that you would like to impart on our listeners? One thing that I found immensely helpful, and I'm not sure what other private practitioners do for bookkeeping, but I, and I'm, I don't like work for them or get any money for this, but I love my QuickBooks self-employed. Nice. Um, I was so overwhelmed with my accounting when I first started. I discovered this program and it just streamlined everything for me. So that was great. That's, and when, when do you, did you start that? Did you start that right away or were you six months or a year in or when, when did you start? I think about four to six months in. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. It's really helpful. I mean, I'm not a numbers person. I don't, you know, I'm, I need external, um, either people or software to keep me on track when it comes to things like, um, you know, with numbers and math and that kind of stuff. So that's a great thing for you to be using, um, to help you. Um, my other question is you mentioned in your, so everyone fills out these little paperwork thing for me with a little like interview. And one of the things that you mentioned that you were interested in was doing a little bit of passive income, perhaps related to creating materials, I think specifically for clients who stutter or things related to stuttering. Have you gotten anywhere with that or is that still kind of in the future? So I'm in the middle of writing my first book about, and um, I really, I have a lot of experience treating stuttering. It's very interesting to me. And anytime I try to research books to give to my clients, I can never find anything that I really like. Mm -hmm. um, it's totally daunting for me because I don't enjoy writing, not like, I don't even like writing emails. I really, <laughs> I don't even like writing text messages. Yeah. I don't like writing. But um, I feel like there's a real need for this. And it's interesting to sit down and put down on paper all of my clinical knowledge. So yeah. that's been exciting. I think that's fantastic. And it's needed, right? You know, you've, you've found, you know, an area of need and now you're trying to fill it and hopefully you'll be able to find the people who need to receive the information that you're putting together. Good for you for taking the steps to getting that done, even if you hate reading. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I'm using, you know, summer's like my downtime in terms of um, clients. A lot of clients are away on vacation or parents don't want to deal with juggling crazy schedules in the summer. So I, I don't have a totally full schedule. So I'm trying to use that time to, to write this. And then I have to figure out how to market it and all of that good stuff. Well, first things first, get your book done. <laughs> yes. And then you can do all that other stuff. And we do actually have several people who are authors who have been also interviewed on this podcast. 
and or we have people in the SLP Private Practice Beginners Facebook group who have also written books. So um, there's actually a really nice community of SLPs turned authors that I'm sure would be happy to share information with you. Well, I will definitely tap into that. Fantastic. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being on the call tonight. And I wish you the best of luck and please keep in touch with us. I would love to know um, just how you're doing, first of all, but also once you hopefully get your book out there and, and launched, please follow up with me so I can share with our listeners that you, that you did it and it's out there and also where they can get it if it's a resource that they would like to purchase for themselves or their clients. Great. Will do. All right. Very good. Well, take care and we'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Now that you've listened to the podcast, I hope that you're all fired up to help more people while making more money. If you need help starting or growing your private practice, I can help. I have created tons of high quality resources for beginning through established private practitioners alike to help you save time, money, and confusion. Just visit www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get instant access to everything from startup guides to marketing plans to ongoing support and mentorship and more. Listen, private practice can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. My job is to simplify the process for you so that you can do what you do best, help people. But first, you have to help yourself. Just go to www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get the resources you need to succeed today. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.